Deuteronomy 6, 4-5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Leviticus 19, 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Luke 10, 25-38. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any expense, extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. One time when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He quoted the words of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 what is called the Shema in the Jewish tradition. The word Shema means here. And Jesus said this is the first and the greatest commandment. First and the greatest. And we've been learning how the Shema is the most treasured verses in the Jewish tradition to be said by Jews first thing in the morning every day and the last thing at night every day. But when Jesus quoted that commandment, he didn't stop there. He said, well, now there's a second command that is like it. It's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus wasn't making up anything new. It wasn't off the top of his head. He was quoting from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, as we read. Our Lord added that commandment to the Shema. Now, there are a lot of other good things in the Jewish law that Jesus, I suppose, could have added. But he, on his own authority, on his own initiative, added, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
The first priority in our life is to love God. But this love is measured by, and this love becomes real as we love our neighbor. The experts in the Jewish law must have heard Jesus teach because one time one of them asked Jesus, well, well, what do I have to do to get to heaven? And when Jesus asked him, well, what have you been reading in your Bible studies? The expert responded with the Shema and then Leviticus chapter 19, 18, just as Jesus had taught this first commandment and then this other commandment. But when the expert got a little squirrely, and uh, asked Jesus, well, who exactly is this neighbor that I'm supposed to love? Jesus tells the well-known parable of the Samaritan, very well-known parable. And the bottom line of that parable is to go and show mercy to others. Go and, and show mercy. By adding love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus teaches that the same form of love for God is to be the love that we show to our neighbor. We love God with all that we are when we love our neighbor. Disciples are not to apply a different love or a lesser love to others than we apply to God. Which really torques me. Because I can convince myself that I'm a pretty good Christian when I'm and I'm loving God when I come to church and when I pray and, and read my Bible and work on the sermons and I'm all closed off from everyone else, but then I have to deal with others. People that maybe aren't up to my standards or who bother me or were in my path when I am beelining for something important for me to do or people who I may not feel comfortable with and I'm told this is my measure of my love for God, well, it just deflates all the images I have of myself about being a spiritual and Christian person. Jesus, I've got to love people too. Mark Laberton's the president of Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena. He wrote a book, The Dangerous Act of Loving Your Neighbor. And he said, if we say we love God and don't love our neighbor, it turns out we don't love God. In other words, our faith is only fiction. You know, biblical spirituality and Christian faith isn't just sitting quietly and praying and being mindful of God. It is also bringing food to someone who's in need. And it is visiting that family that is going through a hard time and they're hurting or it's making our way to the hospital or it's tutoring those children that um, are struggling in school and it's doing acts of mercy for people who need mercy. We love God when we love our neighbor. But enough from me. I've asked three people this morning from our church community, our church family, to speak on Jesus' command, that second command that follows from the Shema, to love our neighbor, because I think they have something to say about this. Bill Reese is a member of our local missions team, and uh, he's been key in helping our church be active in ministry to the poor and to the homeless. 
Audrey Gann has been serving as a, she's been a deacon. She's also been a Stephen minister for many years. Stephen ministry provides one-to-one care to people in crisis. And Tony Houston has served as a deacon, and he's also traveled to various developing nations and countries, participating in efforts to make people's lives better in those places. Just like me, none of them are experts. We are all just merely fellow disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to live faithfully for him, and uh, not the least of that faithfulness is trying to learn how to love our neighbor. Just like all of us, right? Just like all of us. Bill? Well, good morning and uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. I appreciate the chance to talk. Um, Interesting question on who is my neighbor. When I struggle with, um, because frankly, as Bill said, it's hard to like people that you don't know. It's hard to like people that you struggle with, people that maybe aren't along the same lines as we all have. But reading about the Samaritan and the parable of the Samaritan made me think, who is my neighbor? So I'm going to approach it from both kind of an active sense and a passive sense today. Specifically, in this particular case, in verse 34, the man went to the injured man, so he actively and intentionally went to help. He wanted to do this, even though he was not related to the man at all. They weren't of the same spiritual background. They weren't related. His eyes were open, his heart were open, and he was showing compassion in this particular case. He made a decision to help. That was his objective. You know, it's easy to love people that are family. It's easy to love people that we know, people that we've grown up with, people that we have the same background with. But frankly, it's not so easy to love these same people that we don't know. And I think that's what made what, this, what the man did so remarkable and why this is such an important parable as we try and apply it in our own lives. You know, for those that don't know me, I have two adopted daughters. I have a 14-year-old from Ethiopia and a 9-year-old from the Congo. Um, at one sense, these two young girls were my neighbors. I didn't know them. I didn't know their families. But as Terry and I considered adopting, Jesus' words were some of the words that we used in prayer to adopt. That was some of the spiritual food that we needed. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, today, nine years later, with a, nine, with a 14-year-old, and just about five months later with a nine-year-old, it's hard to believe. They're no longer my neighbors, but frankly, they're my daughters. I couldn't love them any more than if they were from my own biological line. But, you know, as we talk about neighbors, I think we ought to talk about something really important. I think all too often we spend time and we just kind of go through the motions, but maybe even things we do at church. But let me put a face maybe on what a neighbor looks like, because I think it's important to understand the real world impact that we have every day with the things that we do. So in the case of my daughters, they run, they laugh, they have fun, they learn. They get scared, they struggle, they look for guidance, they have hopes, they have dreams. But you know, in case you guys didn't notice, they don't look like me, they have a different skin color. They're strong, they come from a different background. But I think the thing to understand this in this case 
it doesn't matter. God showed us how to love. Showed us how to love through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, here at MOPC as well, I think we also actively look to help our neighbor. We pack boxes, we pack shoe boxes, we pack food at the food bank. We go on the Kenyan mission trips. We're involved in all sorts of different activities where we're working to help people in need. That's one of the reasons why I like this church. I think that's one of the reasons why many people like this church. But I think as a result of this sermon and as a result of the opportunity to speak today, I think it does remind us of who is our neighbor and how do we struggle and how do we deal with people that we have a hard time with, frankly. So maybe the first step to think about is who is the neighbor? Well, this person is somebody, obviously, with a need, whether big or small. May not necessarily look like me, and may not necessarily be related to me. Their hopes, they have dreams, they suffer. Different religious backgrounds. But most importantly, the neighbor needs to be treated with dignity. No matter what we do, no matter who they are, they needed to be treated with dignity. Just as a Samaritan man did in this particular case for the man who was injured on the road. Now, as Christians, hopefully we get better at identifying our neighbor every day. When you read, this, when you read the parable, two of them walked by. One of them came to help. That's pretty remarkable. Two-thirds walked away. One-third helped. So in our busy lives, maybe when things are challenging, when we're struggling, when things seem overwhelming, we figure out what can we do. Maybe the first and best thing we can do is just stop and pray. Good morning. It is really a pleasure to be here with you folks this morning. I don't often, well, never attend 11 o'clock service, so I'm new to a lot of you. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? According to the dictionary, a neighbor is a person situated near another person, a fellow man, someone nearby. Every one of us has been at one time or will be in a position where we could use a hug, a compliment, or a person reaching out to us to help us face a problem in our life. The smallest action on our part can make the greatest difference in another person's life. I am reminded of an incident in my life back in 1962. We found it necessary to uproot our family of four small children and move from a small town in Montana to the big city of Salt Lake. Leaving my brothers and sisters and my parents was overwhelming to me. I had a close friend, a neighbor, in Montana who told me that she had a sister-in-law in Salt Lake City and she would contact her and ask her to check on us when we got settled in. Well, that family of a mom and a dad and four, two teenage children went well beyond reaching out to us and made moving to Salt Lake City easier than we ever thought possible. Unbeknown to us, they showed up at our home the day the moving van came helped us unload, unpack, and brought a meal for all of us to enjoy. What a blessing that was for us, a 
From that day forward, we were as close as family could be. What does it mean to love someone as you love yourself? Let us be grateful for neighbors who make us happy. They are the Lord's gardeners who make our souls blossom. Loving our neighbors as we love ourselves takes dedication and even planning. We become so involved in caring for ourselves, we sometimes miss opportunities to reach out to others. We are so busy. Busy doing what? Collecting things that are not important, as opposed to reaching out to others and building a foundation of caring for others, as our Lord and Savior did when he reached out to the leper and the woman at the well and so on. I witnessed and was involved in a lot of caring for others as I worked for Stephen Minis- with Stephen Ministry and the deacons in this church. And I'm well aware of the benefits received by both the caregiver and the care receiver when we love others as we love ourselves. Have you ever had someone say to you, you made my day? That is when you know you are following this commandment. By doing this, we make lasting friendships. I found this clipping the other day that said friendship. It is so powerful and long-lasting, it stays with someone their entire life, even if the people involved don't. I worked for my present husband, who is a physician, for a number of years. We lost our spouses two months apart, and we were married a year and a half later. It has been enlightening to me all those years that I worked for him to see how much he loved the Lord first and how he loved others as himself. He always took time to console a concerned mom with a sick baby, to meet someone at the office after hours to suture a laceration or set a fractured arm. He always puts the needs of others before his. He is an excellent example to me. Love your neighbor. Reach out. You will be glad you did. Good morning. It is still morning. All right. So, disclaimer. Before I get too far down the road on this, I should point out that I showed up late for this whole Christian life thing. Okay? So I just want to put that out there. Um, Early in life, I really struggled with religious people. Um, That's part of why I found it so hard to come to Christ until actually my mid-30s. I always felt that if I wasn't part of an organized religion, then I couldn't be accused of being a hypocrite. So then I started to realize it really wasn't necessarily about trying to be like others, but more like Christ. And by the way, I pretty much suck at that most of the time anyway. Um, But let me ask you a question. Do you have neighbors? Do you know the one that's on your left? Do you know the one on your right? Um, Are they friendly? More importantly, are you? Can you count on them? Can they count on you? Just a little something to think about. Um, So love yourself or love your neighbor as yourself, seems like a pretty simple command, right? How hard can it be? But I'm sure, as most of you have probably learned at one point or another, it's pretty hard to love our neighbor, and it might even be a stretch, if we can barely stand them in the first place. By the, by the way, we can all agree, I think, that Christ was not just talking about our next-door neighbor, or the one across the street, or perhaps the one behind us. But, you know, it really isn't our neighbor dependent upon scale, for example, Holiday to Mill Creek, Salt Lake, or Salt Lake County to Utah County, 
Utah to Idaho, US, you get the idea. Um, so why is it so hard to practice? So as some of you know, I travel a lot for work. Um, over the years, I've had the opportunity to meet people all over the world, as well as all over this country. And the two things that have consistently stood out for me about cultural differences between many in the US versus many I've met in other countries, especially third world countries, is community. That's the big thing, it's so different. You look at how we do it here um, in the US, and, and I have met countless people who have lived next door to people for literally years, and they don't even know them. It's crazy. You know, we have houses, we have fences, we have cars. All of these things become barriers. And yet, you go to these other countries, and you know, I've, I've been to Kenya with the youth, I've been to Togo, Africa, I've been to Paraguay, and, and in most cases, what I've seen is, is a, a, common, a commonality between all of these, and that's abject poverty. And, and because of that, they don't have the luxury of not knowing each other. They have to rely on each other. And you know, it, it's often that day-to-day -day struggle that, that really brings them closer together. But we're often so concerned about our personal space, and yet in other countries, they don't even get that. Um, so I have to say, I, I was fortunate early on when, when uh, Sean and I were first married, we had a great neighbor. Um, he set a great example, and, and honestly, I've tried to carry on what he shared with me throughout my life. His name was Glenn. I'm pretty sure Glenn, at that time, was the original Marlboro man. <laughs> Kid you not. Cowboy hat, wore a bandana around his neck, buttoned up, sleeves always buttoned up. He had not one, but two pickup trucks. And, and he didn't say a lot. But I learned so much simply by observing how he treated others. He would often do things for us completely unsolicited. I'd come home sometimes, my driveway would be cleared from the snow. I might be working on a project. He would just help without being asked. And all of these things that he did, he never respected or expected anything in return. And that really stuck with me. So much so that as I've moved on, I have really tried to make that a part of who I am you know, ever since. So, on a separate note, my wife will tell you that I am ridiculously social. There have been times that I have just gone out to take the garbage out and disappear for like 45 minutes <laughs> just because I ran into someone else in the neighborhood. So, and this doesn't happen once, it actually happens all the time. So, but we have been blessed to have great neighbors where we live now. We have a mix, we're in a cul-de-sac, we have a mix of both LDS and non-LDS neighbors. We all get along great, we look out for each other. Some of us even have keys to each other's homes. Um, but we really have differences, absolutely. But we focus on the things that we have in common. It's the love of our kids, getting older, the struggles that all of that brings, and just life in general. But all in all, we're really like one extended family. We celebrate the wins, we mourn the losses. One neighbor in particular, he and I became very close friends. His name was Brian. And if you were to look at kind of how we are on a list on paper, we should have never been friends. It didn't make any sense at all. We had very little in common. This, this is pretty much how I dress all the time. You know, Brian, he was in suits. Even when he was doing yard work, it looked like he could go to a wedding, okay? <clears throat> Didn't make any sense to me. Um, 
I would be the one driving 10 miles over the speed limit. Brian's the one that's holding everybody up because he's 10 under. So, but nonetheless, we became really good friends. We often discussed our respective faiths. There was plenty that we disagreed on, trust me. But there were also a lot of things that, that we could find common ground. Last fall, Brian was tragically killed while my wife and I were on vacation. Um, and, and the way he died was just senseless. But, you know, one of the things that I, that I knew about him was that generally he was lonely, he was divorced, he struggled with depression, and yet to all of us in the neighborhood, he still seemed okay. And, you know, so it was really a shock to all of us when, when he died. And, you know, you just, you don't think that anything like that is ever going to happen. So my point is this. Why should we love our neighbor? Because we're commanded to do so? Well, yeah. But more importantly, even because it matters. Because life is fragile. It's short. You know, we, we just might make our time here on earth a little more pleasant if we take the time to do so. Well, you've heard those voices. How about your own? What would be a word, a phrase? Doesn't even have to make sense to anybody else. Could be very concrete, though, in your life that you would use to say, this is what it means to love a neighbor. Let's build kind of a prayer out of that. Say it out loud. What's the word? What's a phrase? An experience, an image in your mind what it means to do Jesus' words, to love our neighbor. Someone once said, love doesn't sound so dangerous until you've tried it. That Samaritan, as, as Bill pointed out, that Samaritan looked, but he also came near. He went. He didn't play it safe. He had no guarantees about how that whole thing was going to end. And even though he's a fictional character in a parable that Jesus told, he, he is still our enduring example. Even for people who of no religious faith, let alone Christianity or don't know anything else about the Bible, he is still our enduring example of what it means to love and to show mercy. Jesus implied this Samaritan was loving God with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength. Let's go. Let's do likewise. Let's close with prayer. God of love, open our hearts to our neighbor, to the person next door and the people under our own roof, to those on the streets and refugees here and in faraway places. 
the children who have no supports and the elderly who are lonely. To the person who just needs a break or a word of encouragement or an act of mercy so that we can make their day. Help us to see you in the face of our neighbor and to know that as we love others, we're loving you. We're loving you, for it's pleasing to you when we do this. And help us to do this as unto you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all the strength that is in us. And to the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who first loved us, Amen. Let's stand. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus.